whenever I've spoken to someone who is what I would class as an expert in their industry, they've always been forthcoming with knowledge sharing and information. There's they, they will give you everything that they've, they've got because they understand that their expertise and the knowledge that they have, yes, there's value in it, but they want to share that. What they want to charge for is the implementation or the guiding of utilizing that information. Once upon a time, there were tens of thousands of makers struggling. Every day they built for hours and hours but didn't ship and didn't earn enough income. One day, the No Code Wealth podcast and newsletter came to help them find a way. Because of this, makers became founders and earned the money they deserve. Because of this, founders can have growth, freedom, and wealth until tomorrow. No code becomes the next big skill that changes the future of humanity. That's what I'm all about. Hello, my name is Abdulaziz, and from an ethical hacker to a European Ivy League business graduate to a hypnotherapist to a growth marketer, I've lost everything twice, and now I'm rebuilding my life one more time. 1% a day, the No Code Wealth podcast and newsletter are for the makers and founders who have the proactivity, perspective, and persistence to go on this journey with me and get the answers about money, marketing, and mindset so that makers become earners, earners become founders, and founders get freedom and create wealth. And thank you all so much for the support. This podcast is now ranking nicely on Apple in the entrepreneurship category top 200 in San Francisco, top 60 in Germany, top 50 in the UK, top 30 in Sweden, top 25 in Italy, top 25 in India. So let's keep keep going, keep rating, reviewing, subscribing, and sharing. My guest today is Jason Staniforth. Jay is a digital growth coach and brand strategist, as well as being a speaker, author, and the co-founder of Expert Unleashed. He has a background in human psychology and over a decade of marketing experience in the corporate world at board level. His strategies in branding and marketing have delivered impressive results, such as taking a UK-based software company from being a, in debt to turning over £3.5 million pounds in 27 different countries in just four years, as well as launching the marketing strategy for a property training and personnel development company, enabling them to deliver over £1 million in sales in just 18 months. I'm pretty sure this will be a highly valuable episode, and I'm already enchanted and looking forward to hear and to discover more. Jay, how are you today? Hey, Abdulaziz, thank you very much for having me on the show today. I'm really excited to get in some good conversation with you and share some of my story and some of my experience with you and your growing listeners. This is wonderful, and we will enjoy it a lot. And to give context, since you're specialized in psychology, we need to give the origin story of any new character. (laughs) (laughs) What is the story that made you the J of today? So yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting one with some ups and downs, peaks and troughs, and 
it all started for me back in school, I think, where most stories for people start. And I was um, I was quite quite badly bullied when I was at school. So I, I used to put myself in what I call the human haze, which is where you you try hard enough to be average, but you don't want to try so hard that you stand out for being good. But you have to try just hard enough so that you don't fall into the, the lower level of people who get picked on for being thick as such. So that's what I tried to be. I basically tried to be average J. And that's what most of my school life was like, which was, it's quite a lonely place to be, knowing that you're operating at 40, 50% of your potential and you're not, you're not really, you're not really reaching out to the things that you really want to do through fear of being recognized for it, all because I had this severe social anxiety. Um, So as time went on through school, I came into a situation where a bit of a realization on a school field, I was being bullied by some kids and they were saying they're going to hit me and stuff like this. And it, it never actually happened. They didn't end up hitting me, but they they left me alone and walked off. And the thing that I realized after all of the, the shouting that they did at me and the poking and punching and stuff, but without actually really, you know, hitting me as such, what I realized is that people are going to notice me whether I like it or not. So I might as well be in control of what people are recognizing me for, because that I can control. I can recognize what people recognize me for. So at that point, I realized, you know, I need to get out there and start doing the things that really interest me, that excite me, the things that are passions of mine. And it was towards the end of my time in sixth form that I had this realization. And I decided that, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and give it a go at university, which before this was definitely a no-no. You know, hundreds, if not thousands of students, bigger classes. I thought this is not my scene because I had social anxiety. But after that situation on the school field, I decided that, you know, I'm going to give this a go. So I went to, to university and I chose psychology as a, as a degree. And the reason I chose that is because I wanted to understand myself more. Why was I this way? Why was I so anxious about the way I look, the way I speak, the way I dress, the way I act, the way I walked, just me in general? Why was I so nervous about the way I looked um, and being being me? Why wasn't I comf- Why wasn't I comfortable in my own skin? And through the course of university, I guess I did what people would call recreating themselves. So I became more confident. I started to go to the gym. I was earning money so I could buy better clothes. And and it's not all visual stuff. But initially for me, my anxiety was around the way I looked primarily. So changing this, changing my attributes, really changes changed the way that people responded to me and the way that I stood out and people recognized me. And that started to boost my confidence. And then I started moving into personal development. So I was reading a lot more, reading a lot of studies because obviously I was doing psychology. And that's when I started to build this internal confidence about believing in what I believed I was there for, why I was put on this earth, what was my mission, my greater purpose, that purpose that's bigger than money. And I started to realize that. So when I left university with my degree, I was actually offered a job in um, relationship psychology in Australia through, through a family friend that the opportunity presented itself, which, which was awesome. So I decided I was going to go. Uh, again, stepping out of my comfort zone, traveling to another country uh, on my own with plans to stay there. And I needed to save some money before I went. So I started to, I started a job, just any job really. It was, it's a telesales job to get some money. And although I was good at telesales, I hated it. I could not stand being a phone basher. And there's nothing wrong with that because some people are great at it and, and love it. 
But although I was good at it, it didn't fulfill me. I didn't feel good doing it. It stressed me out. One second, one second. I'm hearing so much good stuff that I would <laughs> like to delve into. But okay, so this is a point that when you, and if you wish to continue later, it's yeah. when you didn't want to be a phone basher and you hated it, although it's, some people are made for it, etc. I'm hearing a few things that I'm curious about for you as a person. Yeah. One is... You have this capacity for self-introspection, which is not normal. Um, uh, like from the beginning, you, were, uh, you had so many instances that you had this self-reflective ability. Is this something that you notice in yourself and that you use all the time, whether in your work or in perceiving um, like life and what is happening in reflection of what you do? Uh, I mean, in, in, it's uh, more of a, a psychological... Uh, a thing which is observant ego so you had it developed from the earlier earlier ages so i would like to ask about that capacity because it's not normal and meditators and zen buddhists will spend like a decade or something working on this to get that much ability to introspect the other is you had social anxiety and normally social social anxiety is a real barrier it feels like you have this iron cast which keeps you there where you are especially when you're around people and it's totally freezing literally but you also took risks whether in in multiple instances as well as moving country and going to australia while still having that so what was the driver or the motivator that you had like for me for example it was like no no more of this life i look around this is not what i want i will change it no matter what it's like uh get this done, get the life I want, or die trying, or something like that, where I say no to social anxiety, whatever levels I had, no to the life that I, which is boundaries in psychology. That is a definition. You can have a boundary for yourself to say to yourself, no, this is unacceptable. So just those two, but I heard a lot more that I'm curious about, but please mention those two, which is how did you, you get that drive to take risks although social anxiety was still there because you are not yet i mean i don't really believe someone is fully recovered from it it's like uh, i believe a lot in acceptance and commitment therapy which says well in reality it's really unlikely that you will get over your anxieties so um accept them commit to your values and take action and you know act and feel the fear or the anxiety anyway this as well as your ability to self-introspect, which is not normal. The observing ego is a sign of maturity, which doesn't really happen usually in childhood or adolescence. Yeah, it's interesting that you pick up on that. I think one of, one of the things for me was that I knew I was operating at a reduced level. So I, I knew how I felt internally the first time I won, I won a running race. I, I knew I saw the attention I got and I didn't like it. I, I liked the idea of it but I didn't like the reality of it. Or rather, rather, I liked the reality of it. I didn't like the reality of how it made me feel. So my body would react. I would sweat. I'd get clammy hands. I'd start, my, I could feel my heart racing. I'd feel dizzy at times. And it, there was a physiological impact on my body through something that I wanted to enjoy, but physically couldn't because of how I responded to it. So operating at a reduced rate, so really buffering my ability, it was it was almost as if over a number of years something was building up inside of me like if you if you 
wind a, a coil up or twist a coil long enough or you know to uh, like a jack-in-the-box if you keep turning that handle and the jack-in-the-box eventually it's going to pop out or the coil will break and that's where what it really felt like for me it felt like if i didn't do something and get out there and i was at the time i wasn't sure what it was that that i wanted to get out to yes i wanted to be in my full full ability and do everything i wanted to enjoy but i wasn't sure i wasn't certain what it was that i why I had this burning desire to achieve this, but I didn't like the way it made me feel. So why wouldn't I just, why wouldn't I just let it go, you know, give in and go, okay, this is me. But I knew there was something bigger and I, I didn't know what it was at the time, but it was like that Jack in the box effect. I knew I had to either cook, jump out of it and do something with it, release whatever it was and discover it, or something was going to break. And whether that was mentally or <laughs> physically, I guess, I wasn't sure what it was but i knew that i didn't want to break that that's not where i wanted to go one second this is wonderful so i will ask you because you performed at board level in in various companies etc in the uk and usually someone who will describe themselves in that you know those words that you said the jack in the box effect and if i don't change something something will break whether mentally physically or other levels those are become entrepreneurs and they're really unemployable because they cannot accept to live life on somebody else's terms or following somebody else's rules without really them themselves choosing the reason why and building the structure based on their own reasoning so to ask you i mean this is fascinating you're such an interesting person to ask you how what did you do to adapt to such more corporate environments or did you deal with people who had such entrepreneurial spirit do you characterize yourself as an entrepreneur and view that as a part of your identity and are you someone who deals with like office politics and things like that or you have disdain for such things and you prefer people who have more of a direct straightforward kind of communication and uh, dealing with others and relationships those are three things i hope i didn't like because it's so much stuff if you want me to ask only one or or repeat or anything go ahead i'm i'm just fascinated Okay, sure. Well, I'll answer what I can remember you asked. And if I've missed something, just ask me again. Um, so one of the, weirdly, this has sort of flowed over now that I've started my own business with my partner. One of our values is ruthless honesty. We really believe that the only way to make true progress is to work with the truth. Because if you don't know what you're operating with or you don't know what you're working with, how, how do you know if you're working in the right direction? Even if you get results, that doesn't mean that was the best result you could have got if you worked with the truth. So that's really interesting that you picked up on that because on, being honest, direct, straight to the point is something that's really, it's key to me. And I, I make sure that any of my clients that work with me, I make sure they agree to it because sometimes I'll say things that are going to upset you, but they, they're going to upset you, but you're going to be in the best position to change things around if needed to get the best result possible. So yeah, I am very direct. Now, when it came to the corporate world, I guess I was quite young when I got into the corporate world. I was 22, maybe 22, I think it was. And I was in a telesales position, like I mentioned, phone bashing, and I hated it. So I presented, uh, weirdly again, like you said, uh, I didn't want to stick with the norm. So I wanted to change this business. Now, this business was a 20, 30 million turnover company. And and or just just in the UK. 
and I decided that the way things were being done wasn't good enough. They didn't have their own marketing department. And I'd done some marketing in the past at university just for personal projects. And I decided that something needed to change because they were utilizing their partners' marketing departments. So big brands, big print brands and things like that. And I said, well, the reason nobody knows who you are, even though you're making a lot of money, the reason nobody knows who you are is because you're overshadowed by these bigger partner brands. You need to have your own social media presence and marketing department. And I presented it to the owners and they said, okay, we'll give it a go. You give it a run, start it off. And three years down the line, I was running the marketing department for the entire company nationally, all up and down the UK. And I was also I also helped secure a deal with a, a large computer manufacturer, and that took the company into Europe. And that meant I was managing the marketing department into Europe as well. And this was at the age of 23, 24. So by the time we'd got to that point, I think the company was 50, 60 million turnover. Uh, and then a few years later, they were bought out by a really big global computer company um, for several hundred million from my understanding i, I just left the country the company at that point but yeah so One i did this is so good you, you're so fascinating and interesting i don't want to interrupt you but it's like so much <laughs> and then in the end i'll have like 100 questions so i'm like <laughs> trying to keep it reasonable rate okay so so many things first about that um directless um ruthless honesty etc is that something that you had from as a value from the beginning, like since childhood, maybe you inherited from your father and parents, or is it from reading books such as the Ray Dalio Principles book where he operates in, in such a way and therefore it was more of an inspiration from a, a role model or a semi-role model also? You speak about this directness. Well, in the UK, the culture doesn't really encourage that. Versus if you are in the US and you are going to say, I am the no BS guy, etc. They'll be like, oh, we love you. You're, you're perfect for us. So do you deal globally for this reason? Or do you find that there are enough people in the UK that respond to that directness that can even get them upset, but as long as it gets results? Or is are you looking for more of those pragmatist kind of people? And I wrote these like some words. So if you want me to, <laughs> to tell you again, so that I don't forget because it's really cool. Okay, the third one. We spoke about the company and you said, well, nobody knows who they, you are because you're overshadowed by those big brands, which is great. But you said, you know, you're not getting noticed. Well, at the same time, you spoke in the race that when you got noticed, th theoretically, you liked it, but it, you didn't like how it affected your body. Well, one of the things about marketers and copywriters is that they're really good at making other people shine and marketing other people, but they're really bad at marketing themselves. So is yeah. it in a way that you're good at making other people stand out in the way that theoretically you would love to have, but because of some level of social anxiety, you don't really do it as much for yourself, but you have like an... Um, externalization of this desire onto your clients by making them shine and stand out in the way that theoretically you wish you could but it's because it's a way of overcoming your social anxiety by reproving to yourself again and again that it's possible through successful examples of your clients etc and finally you spoke about the deal you managed well, I was reading high probability selling as well as you know uh, listening to some Gary V and in both they say look 
the real secret to deals is to find really qualified people rather than uh, doing anything else. While you had direct experience with this, do you believe that successful deals, because what they say, if you spend time prospecting to find the right person, that is a much, much more valuable use of your time than trying to turn a bad deal into good and convince people and save a deal that would have a lower probability. So compared to the two, let go of it and spend your time prospecting to find a high probability um, person or a high probability deal. And that is a much better use of your time. What is your comment on this? And again, I will just say a few words to remind you of these four things. Ray Dalio and uh, the UK directness in the UK versus the USA. Those are the words I wrote. Uh, you know, letting your clients shine versus what you felt at the race, but you had social anxiety. So it's like doing for others, but it's difficult to do for yourself. And whether deals come more, you know, is, is it more valuable to try to save deals like through the thick of your teeth or whatever they say? like to try to get the deal that is almost slipping away from your fingers, just saving it with all you can, or go for find a high probability deal that's a better use of your time? Right, great, great questions. So my father or my stepfather was quite a direct person. I used to say that he ran the house like a military camp. And when I was younger, we, we didn't get on for that reason. Uh, more recently, you know, as I got older, I realized that he was he was doing the thing that he felt was best for me and i can see that now but at the time as a kid that's the last thing you want to do be told what to do so one thing that made me realize that he was probably right and directness honesty saying it as it is rather than sugarcoating it which is what's really quite common in the uk we 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 dance around on feathers in the uk quite a bit so not to offend anyone and i can understand that because nobody wants to offend anyone but I do see it as if it's a belief, a genuine belief of yours, and you you feel strongly about it, then you should speak the truth because that's you. That's a part of you. And I spent enough years locking away who I really was to do that now, to, to not speak the truth. And if people dislike me for it, people disliked me anyway, even when I was trying to be someone else. So, you know, you're never going to be liked by everyone. And that's not the aim in life. The aim in life is to fulfill whatever you believe you're your personal mission is. And I found that speaking the truth, honestly, even if it was ruthless, got me to the result that I was looking for quicker. That's that's my experience of it. So I experienced that and it made me think, okay, yeah, that makes sense. And then my stepfather treated me in that way when I was a child. And ultimately I've, I've turned out okay. <laughs> so for that reason, I think that's where, and I've never really thought about this, but now that you've asked the question, those things came to mind. Uh, and that's probably why I believe in honesty and directness so much. And ultimately, I think that's what got me quite far in the corporate in, a, in the corporate world, uh, even at a young age. The fact that I would say exactly what I thought. It didn't bother me that I was speaking to a C, you know, a multi-million pound CEO, and I was there on sixteen grand a year, just you know, just starting in the world of work. I, I didn't see that difference. I just saw it as this is a person, and his business isn't doing as well as it could be. You're missing a trick. I can see it. Let me tell you about it. And if you don't want to do it, that's fine. But at least I've spoken what I felt and I have the answer that I needed, a yes or a no. Um, so yeah, so that's where the directness come from. And, and we operate globally, our business does. We've got clients in Australia, America, all throughout Europe. So 
we we don't find it a struggle to adapt to the different cultures that we deal with now although i am direct i do avoid being rude and i understand that there are differences in cultures and what i will do is because each culture is different each individual within that culture is equally different so just because a culture is one way it doesn't mean the person that you speak to they're not going to be all the same as the other people from that culture so i do adjust how i speak based on the person i'm speaking to and i understand or try and learn quickly the limits you know where how far is too far with this person because some people i believe they they need it hard and fast they need to know exactly what's wrong and quickly because otherwise they will build up this image of this is how it is this is how i want to do it it's it getting me some results that sort of thing and it that that's what leads to certain sayings like even a crap salesperson can make sales but what damage is left behind what opportunities have been missed what damage to your brand has occurred because of this how much does it cost you to have that bad salesperson waste how many, however many opportunities to find that one sale and that's where i believe going in fast direct is going to get the best result in the shortest amount of time with the least amount of pain so that's my directness and that's that it doesn't impact my global approach so that's fine when it comes to promoting others again you're picking up some picking up on some interesting stuff here i don't i don't know why exactly i fell into marketing because obviously my background psychology now the interesting thing about psychology is it's very powerful in marketing um because it's about understanding people the way people think react what makes people tick in a certain way and then you can obviously go into the medical side of things as well but i don't i don't recall making the decision i want to promote other people um i do believe honestly i do believe I'm better at marketing other people's businesses than than i am my own so interesting that you mentioned that and and maybe that is one of the things that potentially is down to my social anxiety because like you say i agree it's never gone there are situations where i still feel uncomfortable and it just comes on randomly so i'll walk into a restaurant sometimes obviously not at the moment because most places are in lockdown and i and i'll just feel strange and i'll make the decision to sit on the outs- outskirts of the of the restaurant rather than in the middle surrounded by people and i i don't understand why i don't know where it comes from it's not every time but it's just there sometimes so i know it's there and i know it's not completely gone but it's about how you deal with yourself how you present yourself um and how you what sort of things you push through your head as you think and you feel those feelings so that i can sometimes think myself out of the panic and then i'll just get on with it and i usually say you know you feel awkward this is this is an opportunity for growth this is your comfort zone knocking on the door this means that you need to do it and i almost challenge myself to push past the anxiety and that sometimes works so interesting that you say that i don't know why i decided to go in marketing was it to help other people promote them rather than myself i'm not 100% sure but interesting that you you picked up on that point thank you and i'm like there's so much good stuff and thank you for this what happened is when a guest comes and they're talking about like talking points basically i cannot pick up on anything because it's it's already like pre-prepared but i like to know about the person because i believe a lot of success or results also come from understanding the perspective of the person presenting the method and that person sees the world in their own unique way that will enrich the understanding of what they teach and what they convey and what they share rather than the sterile 
method just by itself as a formulaic uh, process. Okay, so more. And I know there is so much, but I, will I, I just try to speak about the highlights. First, you <laughs> spoke about running. So I imagine that you're an embodied person, that you're someone who likes to live in reality. Nothing like that other people live in illusion, but what Ayn Rand will talk about saying you're a first-hander, which means that you like to experience reality as it is and look at it and touch it and get feedback from the real world rather than being a second-hander, which is a person who operates based on models and abstractions and patterns of reality. And therefore, they don't really see the world. They see their own expectations or abstractions or modelization of the world. So, and this is also maybe happened and developed because you notice, like you said, that the more there is honesty and truth, the quicker you get results, which means that not only directness in your communication, but direct experience of reality and of how things are gets you the results quicker and saves time. So please also comment on saving time and effort. So probably you had periods of, in your life where you wasted time and that taught you the lesson like a child who touches a, a hot stove and they will never repeat it again. <laughs> yeah, maybe you wasted a lot of hours. I, I hope you take some notes because this is really all the comments that you will say will be so valuable. Second, you spoke about truth. And when people speak about truth, they imply integrity. And the definition of integrity is that you're not changed by anything, which is, you know, even structural in integrity, which is a, a way of perceiving the world. But the cybernetic way will say, and this is what you, when you use the words present yourself, which means that you take into consideration what people will view and therefore you present what will get you the results quicker or more effectively and that is a part of branding because the brain cannot uh, comprehend we need to in some ways and this is not pejorative but you know nicely we need to present a caricature of ourselves that is easy to digest and easy to understand so that people know what we stand for and who we are in a world that is digitized and in a space where people have a three second ability to focus so we need to be quick so how do you leave space for feedback yet operate based on truth because well do you trust okay this is not said also in a bad way but do you believe you are the source of the truth of reality or that other people's feedback will be the source telling you what the truth is and how well do you get that feedback yet not change you who you are so much that you lose yourself by adapting too much of the feedback of other people that's like a real core issue and well psychology and i assume this is an easy answer is it the motivation that gave you the dopamine in your brain to get so motivated to learn about psychology and even marketing? The core drive is the more I learn about people, the more I will have the key so that I learn about how to control this machine, which is me, or the more control and ability to be exactly the person who I am rather than um, someone who is shackled by anxiety or not knowing how to deal with myself. So was that the basic core of beginning and the motivation to choose psychology? And, you know, final question, but it's, you didn't mention it. But I'm curious, in this world full of noise, and in this world where everyone is pretending and saying they are an expert, what are the honest signals, as they will say in biology, which are signals that cannot be faked 
and those are the signals of fitness. And, you know, fitness, not just sports, you know, fitness that you're fit, um, evolutionary and in your genetics. What are the honest signals that if an expert would display, they will show their expertise in a way that is a demonstration that people cannot just label them as just another guy pretending or girl pretending to be an expert. Okay, interesting. So I'll answer the, um, the, the, the last question first. Um, and that's to do with what signals do I believe people give? What, what are their tells whether I believe someone's an expert? I mean, one thing I'd say is that the world's evolving so quickly now in terms of marketing and branding, that side of things. It, it, I think it's, it's easy to be very good at marketing, but difficult to be an expert because what happens today, two weeks later, could be completely different because everything's evolving so quickly with the way that technology is going and people are picking up and utilizing the internet. So I think it's difficult to be an expert uh, in marketing. However, other, other industries, I believe it is possible. But one thing I would say is that whenever I've spoken to someone who is what I would class as an expert in their industry, they've always been forthcoming with knowledge sharing and information. There's they, they will give you everything that they've, they've got because they understand that their expertise and the knowledge that they have, yes, there's value in it, but they want to share that. What they want to charge for is the implementation or the guiding of utilizing that information. That's something that I noticed. Whereas people that have very limited knowledge in a, in a particular topic that they're proclaiming to be an expert in, they're scared to give that information away for free because that's all they've got their their value isn't their value is the information that they've picked up from the internet rather than it being this is my experience of implementing this information that i'm sharing with you this is what happened this is what happens when something goes wrong and this is how i resolved it because the experience and then the guidance that they can give you and the implementation that they can take you through that's where the true value is you know not you you'll know more than anyone because of the amount of uh, research that you sounds like you do and the amount of learning that you need to do knowledge is everywhere and almost everything that you need to know is on google the value from using an expert is that that person shares with you the stuff that works because there's a lot of rubbish out there and they also present it to you in a structure or a structured way that makes sense and again is going to get you the best result in the shortest amount of time and that's that's where i see the value being in utilizing an expert which which is why i think everyone has a lot of people have coaches you know i've got coaches for different parts of what i do and i really focus on someone that gets to the point they've got experience doing it and then they haven't just learned a lot of stuff in a book because i don't see i don't see the value in regurgitating information to me it's interesting to, to hear for sure because then i'm learning but i like to hear from the people that have had the experience of implementing that information and i think that that's where the true, the true, true value is in being an expert. Um, one thing you said as well was about uh, the, the feedback side of things. And you talked about the information that people have. And one thing I think my, my perception or people's perception, so like trusting what people say, one thing that I see in the world is that facts, so people's facts that they, they talk about, you know, this is a fact. I believe that facts are just someone's perception or a group of people's perception based on the amount of information that they currently have available to them. Because at one point in life, the world was flat. And that was a fact. Because a mass of people said that. 
But now that's no longer a fact. So could you argue that it was never a fact? Because it's been disproved. So what other facts do we have or bits of information that we believe to be factual that will be disproved later? And that's why I like I do like to question a lot of things. I like to dig deep. And that's one of the things with psychology that I really enjoyed questioning other people's strong beliefs if I felt differently. And I guess being direct came in handy with that because some people just nod and smile and say, yep, that sounds good, even though they disagree. Whereas I would ask, I'd ask those awkward questions and that really helped me to to move forward. And that sort of ties back to the question you talked about living in reality, um, you know, working with the visual truth. I do like to see, I do like to see things to believe them. However, when it comes to things like spirituality, I, I definitely don't think I'm the most spiritual person, but I certainly believe, understand and appreciate the importance of it. Um, but I'd love to be more spiritual for sure. And maybe that is, maybe I struggle with that because I do like to see that I like to work with the visual truth. Um, and I think I like to work with the visual truth because like you said, I don't want to waste time. And if I can see it, I can work with it. You know, nobody saw a flat earth as such, because you can even see the curves when you look across, um, you know, look across sunsets, things like that. You can, you can sometimes see the curve. So when I see things, I know that there's something factual there and something that I can move forward with quickly. And I guess what helped me to move forward faster and I'm, I'm working well, working with facts now is important to me because of, like you said, the times that I wasted back in, back in the day when I was younger, the awards that I could have won that I didn't for the number of years that I was holding myself back. So when I started to unleash my potential as such, um, when I got more confident, I won so many running races, you know, 100 meters, 200, 500, 3000 meters. I did them all and I was first, second or third. Javelin, uh, playing on a football team, American football. I started taking interest in sports, swimming, so many different things. And I and I was an overachiever, but I'd, I'd neglected those things for so many years because I didn't want to stand out. I really wanted to, really wanted to avoid those things. So once I started working with the truth, and working with what's there, that's when I started to see real growth and get the results in a much shorter time. So I, I agree with what you were saying there. I, I think I do like to see. I love it. I really love what you're saying. And I want to respect your time. So I'm keeping an eye on the clock just for you. So I want you now, can you speak about the work you do with more specifics? what you services and help do you offer to people as well as any links or websites or any way for them to learn more and get to know what you do and maybe you know discover uh, what what knowledge you have to share and all the good things that you work with yeah sure so now what i am is a digital brand sorry a digital growth coach and brand specialist so i help coaches speakers trainers to build a brand and then utilize that brand, leverage that brand to attract the, their dream clients. So the right type of client to their business. Um, we've got our own programs that we, that we have. We have coaching services um, and we've been helping a number of people from around the world. We've got a community. We have a free community on Facebook. It's, you can just search Expert Unleashed uh, and it's, it'll, you'll, it'll come up and you can request to join that. 
We also more recently have a free book, 77 page book that takes you through the core principles of building your brand, attracting your dream client and presenting yourself effectively online. If anybody wants that, I'll give you my business email address, which I'm happy to share that with you, invite you to the group on Facebook and also answer any questions that you might have, um, all for giving information. So my email address is hello at expertunleashed.com. And you can reach out to me anytime to find out more about what we do. Thank you. I will make sure to write both the link to your to the group as well as the email in the description to this episode. It was a pleasure and honor and such a wonderful beginning to 2021 to have you as a guest, Jay. And thank you so much for this time. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been great speaking with you and you've asked some incredibly interesting questions which I've never been asked before. So thank you very much for that. Mm -hmm.